Disclaimer, I am a counseling student, I am not a mental health professional, and I cannot give or offer mental health services. You are listening to Good You. I'm your host, Samantha, and today I sit down with Lisa Keenan, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Today we're going to be talking about couples counseling, why couples seek counseling, and some of the common issues that uh, Lisa sees within her practice. Um, It's a really good episode. Make sure to go follow Lisa. That will be in the show notes for today. And I hope you're excited for today's episode. Let's get started. Okay. So hello, Lisa. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you are a licensed marriage and family therapist. That is correct. And I'm very excited because today we're going to be talking about, you know, uh, couples counseling and what you get to see on a daily basis. So tell us about yourself and what you do and uh, what made you enter this line of work. So um, I I am a marriage and family therapist in a private practice in New Jersey. Um, So I work with children, teens, couples, and families uh, to help them anywhere from symptoms, individual symptoms, such as anxiety or depression, or adjusting to life events, or relational issues um, with either their partner or family members or friends, you know. Um, So what uh, got me into this field a little of a lengthy story, but I'll, you know, keep it short. Um, So I really had a wonderful school counselor in high school and she helped me through some really tough times. And I found it incredibly beneficial to have a space to talk and sometimes cry through what I was going through. Um, So she was so empathetic and genuine and just such a wonderful person. So I felt she really cared without judging. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's one piece. Um, and through being with my family, I was always the helper. I always loved to help and problem solve, and especially with like relationship type of, type of stuff. And if there was ever a conflict, I would be there. <laughs> so yes. I would love to help. And um, so that's another piece. And then when I entered college, I became fascinated with psychology. I took a psych 101 class. And then um, I found a program called marriage and family therapy that they offered. And it just, the family systems concept made a lot of sense to me. And so all those things kind of, it was kind of like a gravitational pull, if you will, in the field. And then once I was in the fields, I was like, okay, I think I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. That's awesome. I actually relate so much with, um, your younger self because I was definitely the mediator as well. The, uh, trying to keep the peace in the, in the family, in the order. And I'm the youngest. Same so. here. <laughs> what, what, is it, is that a thing? Like the youngest tends to 
you know, I guess it all depends on the on the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, you know, happened to be there type of thing. And then I would kind of, I'm a more of like the lighthearted one jokester type of thing too. Me too. So I would throw that in, in the, uh, in the dynamic and try to settle it down and it seemed to work. <laughs> yeah. And then it caused all the issues into adulthood. So <laughs> that's been great. Yeah. <laughs> so what uh, common issues do couples normally come to you with? So it's a combo, definitely a combo, uh, lack of affection, uh, effective communication, um, not feeling heard or validated mostly mm-hmm. infidelity, a big one, very complicated one, very complex. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, and adjustment issues really too, such as like parenting, parenting together, or, you know, adjustment issues such as like moving in together. It's a big change. Mm-hmm. And also like adjusting to each other's families too, like family dynamics. You're coming from a- That's a good point. Yeah. The, the monster-in-laws, the- yeah. no, kidding. <laughs> Sure. You the know. in-laws. Or other siblings and the dynamics they all play and it could really, you know, complicate things in somebody's relationship with somebody else. Um, and then what comes to mind too is like in general built up resentments you know, um, from the lack of communication and yeah. And like over time, people kind of ignore things and kind of brush it underneath the rug. And then, uh, an analogy, you know, we use sometimes that rug just keeps getting higher and higher. And higher. So harder to stand on. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah I, I actually want to add a question in, um, what is the normal age range for couples or married couples to come into you? So the youngest I've worked with, have had the privilege of working with is 18. Oh, yeah, that was, that was really cool. And, uh, the oldest that I've worked with is late sixties. Awesome. So, and then you get, you know, range in between, in between all that. Okay. You know, it's, it's all different and it's, it's really a privilege to see these different chapters of people's lives and how their relationship gets impacted. Um, so I've, I've, I feel like I definitely haven't seen it all yet, but I've, I've seen a wide range of ages. Just when you get comfortable, something crazy <laughs> comes along and you're just like, Oh, this is new. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I also want to ask, is it normally both the couple want to come in and want to get better with their communication or whatever their issue is, or is it just really one that's it's, we go to couples counseling or, or that's it kind of thing. Is it like a deal breaker for one or are both normally wanting to come in to get help? It's a good question. It's a combo. It's I've seen, I've definitely seen both examples play out. Um, One partner really wants change to happen. One's kind of comfortable or like, yeah, you know, Um, and, but then I've seen other couples that they're all in and they're, and and that really makes it easier. Yeah. (laughs) I can only imagine how much easier because then there's one that's like, I don't see the issue. And then, yeah. And then it's breaking that down. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely a combo. Um, but ultimately it takes two to tango, you know, and it, it definitely, it's easier for everybody when they're 
they're both willing to make the change. Absolutely. And that's for uh, any type of therapy as well. So actually I had this, our next question that I had sent, someone specifically asked me to ask this to a, a couples therapist. Um, so why do couples tend to nitpick each other's behaviors and actions? Yeah, I saw that question. I was like, oh, that's a good one. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, I think it's, it could be, you know, multiple answers to this, but it's, I think it's because of wanting to be in control. Uh, sometimes it's wanting to be in control of the other partner, uh, which makes sense because we all want things to go our way. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. You know, but it doesn't really work that way with other people. Yeah. Um, they're not robots, they're humans. And we all have control over ourselves. And when our partners do something that we are confused about or appear strange or not right, quote unquote, some partners want to correct based on what they perceive as right, what they're viewing out of their own lens. Uh, maybe because of what they were told, you know, they are right or what they believe is right. Um, but because we're all different and literally have different brains and come from different families and cultures, et cetera, instead of nitpicking, which may be similar to criticism. Yeah. Uh, instead of saying what you don't want to happen, what you don't like, mm -hmm. you know, it's important to say what you need and why. So a person who's nitpicking, there is probably a good, they probably have a good reason of what's bothering them, but it's typically deeper than just like nitpicking. Mm -hmm. um, if a couple can get to the root of that, they can decrease nitpicking and accept or understand each other the way they are right. instead of like kind of personally attacking each other. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can totally see that too. It, it, I feel like it has to do with kind of a perfectionistic quality about the one that's nitpicking that it's like, it has to be done this way. And so it might be very individual. Yes. Uh, Esther Perel. I don't know if you've ever heard of Esther Perel. No, yeah. I have not. Oh, she's a wonderful, um, she's an American family therapist, but she's a sex therapist too. She has great Ted talks written a bunch of great books. And, you know, she, one of her Ted talks, she talks about like, we want our partners to be our best friend, our, our partner in crime, our everything. And it is, it is impossible to make that partner every, your everything and this perfect person. There's no such thing as a perfect partner or a perfect person. And if we can just own what we need, own what we can control, our reactions, our emotions, and instead of, they're not your enemy, you know? And so just nitpicking also builds up, I could just imagine it builds up resentment toward that person who's doing the nitpicking. It just keeps adding on more and more things that are, you know, pissing them off. And it's, it's just uncomfortable for both people. Absolutely. And to be held to such a high standard can be very overwhelming. And then you end up disappointed. Yes. And you know, something I was just, I just, I think it was like a TikTok I saw the other day and I, I very much disliked this. I, I know that there's a, oh, marriage or relationships are 50, 50. And the person on the video was saying, no, it's a hundred, a hundred. And in, in my opinion, I see it as 
it, it wavers. Like sometimes in my, in my marriage, I have to give a hundred or 80 while he gives 20, whatever it is, you know, because maybe he's having a really hard time right now. And I kind of got to make up for that bulk and then it can switch at any time. Yes. That is so important that you brought that up because there is a misconception. It's not 50, 50. Absolutely not. Um, I, I am married as well. And um, it's certainly not 50 50. And some days, you know, my husband knows I'm having a bad day, and he'll, you know, do a little extra or vice versa, you know, and um, it's, it's like a, it's like you're a tag team, you know, you're part, it's a partnership. Um, and that's, that's what it's all about. And if, if, if the person needs a, an extra hand, I mean, why wouldn't you want to help um, for the well-being of the relationship and for the individual, for the other individual that you care about? Um, but it's, you know, I'm sure for couples, it's easier said than done. Some people yeah. feel like they are taking on more. Um, but again, communication, 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 and expressing needs and why. And and that's a, another thing too um, that couples come to therapy about too, about figuring that out and strategizing. Really, sitting there in a non-judgmental space and strategizing, and it's typically effective. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I can see that it's like it, it's not always about um, well, you got all this done. So I need that in return. It's, it's like, you, you really got to be vulnerable and, mm-hmm. and keep an open mind that you, you can be this part person's partner in crime. Right. And, and that's when they need you the most. And that's when you kind of suck it up for that bit. Mm-hmm. And, and that brings such a strong bond together. Um, I think, I think if I think about it, in a friendship, you do that, right? Like your friend's having a really hard time. It's easier to reach out, you know, with this person 24 hours a day. <laughs> so it's easier to remind yourself, but it's the same thing within a relationship, like a romantic relationship. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, but it's so, it's so important to, and this is something that we may, you know, probably going to get to later in, in this talk of like, not having built up contempt toward the other person yeah. uh, or contempt at all um, and wanting to like, you, you should like, you should like the person you're in a relationship with Fair enough. <laughs> and um, not want to cause more um, stress in their life. And yeah. so I think it's easier when that, when there's little contempt or none at all, in the relationship and you're like, yeah, I'll help you out, sure. And then it gives you that satisfaction of like, I've made this person's day better because yeah. I respect them, I love them. So. I want to. Yeah. Like, yeah. And sometimes I, I could imagine that for couples starting couples counseling, it's hard to want to do that because it's it's like you're giving up something, you're giving up maybe that control, right? And and sometimes we struggle with the control over our emotions. So when we're annoyed and that takes over the, I want to help this person, but I'm annoyed that I have to keep helping them or whatever it is. And you really just got to sit back and maybe even be honest with them and say like, kind of annoyed about it, but like, I really do want to help you. And maybe I just need some time. Like being as honest as possible can help 
in that way, as long as you're not being like mean about it, you know? Yeah. And it's something so therapeutic in itself of just saying that, like what you just said, I, I'm annoyed or I'm in a pissed off mood right now, you know, just like saying it out loud and your partner Mm -hmm. is then aware. Yeah. We're not mind readers. That's another big thing. You know, we're not mind readers and a lot of partners feel, oh, I've known this person for decades. I know who they are. I can read their mind like that. And it's, we're typically always wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Good point. Good point. I tend to, uh, I tend to be that way where I'm like, and so, and honestly, my husband does too. He's like, I feel like you're feeling like this. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. And then he's like, but I, I don't know. I feel like you're feeling, and I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. We're all guilty. Don't yeah. So how can couples start communicating in a more healthy and effective way? So um, definitely using I statements. Love a good I statement. Love a good I statement. You know, it's owning how you feel. I feel you know, uh, upset because the garbage is not taken out. And you, I, I did not use the word you in it because when you use you to somebody else, they get so defensive and the boxing gloves are on. Yeah. And so I statements owning how you feel validating. You make sense to me because like what you're just saying with you and your uh, partner, like mind reading you, you know, and it's like, no, that's not right. Or that is right. Um, and empath- empathizing. Yeah. I could just imagine you may be feeling, but it's the like follow-up. Is the follow-up of, is that how you feel? Mm. And then the part other partner can say, no, like where you said, no, that's not how I feel. Oh, you know, um, that comes from a um, little bit of different approaches, but Imago therapy is the I statements, empathizing, validating, mirroring. Um, so, so as long as, and I, and I, I think every couple that comes through my tours, I, I give them these, it's like almost like a script I give them. Um, so, Cause it's not something natural. It should, oh, be, yeah. should be taught in schools, I feel. But there's a lot that we're missing in schools, but yes, I agree. <laughs> but the three things, I statements, validating and empathizing. Yeah. Big, big, big ones. Yeah. So I would consider myself an avoidant. Um, I've really, I've really worked on it. I, I obviously feel like I'm more secure now, but there are days where obviously uh, I can go right back to the avoidant qualities. And I think my husband knows that he's, you know, an anxious attachment style. And I, I feel like that's why he's constantly worried about where I am, but there are times where I do feel how he's calling me out, but I just don't, I, I, I feel like I individually work through that better sometimes. And, and so how would you, um, advise couples on how to communicate that? Sure. So there's, um, there's a great couples therapist named John Gottman, you know, John Gottman. No. Oh my gosh. Honestly, I love that you're telling me all these names because I love researching people after I have my guests on. Okay, well, you have to. He's like the king of relationship stuff. Uh, 
but he, he you know, he's written a, a bunch of books, but John Gottman and his wife um, have done decades worth of research of re relationships and like type of thing, like put couples, attach them to heart monitors type of thing and like done research, research. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so his, his work is based off of his research. So one of the things is when we feel overwhelmed, emotionally mm -hmm. overwhelmed, uh, one of the terms he coined is called flooded. We feel flooded with emotion and it's correlated to our nervous system. And when we feel flooded, we should either shut down and avoid. We are, yeah, we can, we can, some of, some of us can tend to do that like, like that. So yeah. um, he talks about how in a perfect world, give yourself an hour to have alone time, but sometimes we don't have, yeah. <laughs> we don't have that much. So if you can lower the heart rate, this is based off of his research, if you can lower the heart rate um, below a hundred to lower the, that heart rate, to make sure that your frontal lobe, your decision-making part of your brain is being working rather the amygdala, the fight or flight or freeze response, um, then you are more likely to respond in a more effective way. So that would be my recommendation. If you find yourself like shut, you know, shutting yourself out, and feeling just really full of emotions, not really sure. Give yourself, and you gotta, but you gotta tell your partner that you're doing that. You know? Right, just like not say anything and just ignore them and just be like. Pfft. Yeah, because it's abandoned. Uh, yeah, and that's that's my fear that what I've done sometimes, right? When I first started realizing that that's how it was. And like I said, like I'm definitely better at it now and even just requesting that time, right? even simply doing that has helped. Like just saying like, I, I feel like I need time to figure out whether or not I, because sometimes I don't know that I am, right? I don't know that I'm shutting down. And I think he just knows it so much better than I do. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, maybe I need a second to figure out whether or not I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have a partner that can be at that receptive mm -hmm. or if you can have a code word or, you know, you're yeah. doing something. And that's something else that we talk about in couples therapy too, of like, what are the sign, signs that something is brewing? And it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful conversation that each partner, and you know, if they, they're not aware then we try to help them heighten their awareness mm -hmm. uh, biologically, like what are, you know, what are they feeling in their body or externally what are mm -hmm. they doing if if their partners don't know and then they can pick up on those signals um but also it's you know important to yeah i need a minute hon. you know i'll be back in 30 minutes and then i promise we will continue this conversation and i, I imagine that conversation it's i imagine that being pretty cool because one you get to give what you're experiencing and then the partner gets to give what they experience when when something's brewing right within that person mm -hmm. absolutely like double like tag team yes yes and it it it's so a lot of uh, most couples are intimidated with fights I think we're all kind of uncomfortable with uncomfortable feelings, you know, it's negative feelings. Um, but if you have somebody with you during that time of turmoil, um, 
it's a little less intimidating. It's, you're like, oh, I'm not alone in this. Okay, I'm working through this with somebody else who loves me. Yeah, not judging me and accepts me and having to remind yourself of that, that this person is not going to judge me for needing to express my emotions. Yeah, very safe and healthy. (laughs) Um, So how can, um, what are some skills where couples can express their needs to their partners in a more productive and mindful way? Yeah. So, you know, like we were talking about, like, instead of, instead of criticizing your Mm -hmm. partner, um, you know, saying a positive need instead of a negative, what has not gone right or what they don't like, um, say, you know, what they do, what they do need or what you know, I, maybe an example, like, I need to, I need to be alone right now, or I need a hug, or I need to feel heard right now, instead of saying, you don't hear me, you don't listen, you don't, it, that could just, first of all, make the person that they're speaking to very defensive and, right. you know, hurt their feelings. Um, but it also, it's, it doesn't feel good when you, after you're saying it, you think it's productive while when it's coming out of your mouth, but you still feel like shit. Yeah. I think that's my opinion. And I, and I, I would have to say also to avoid like always or never, like you always do this. You never do this. Yes. That, that uh, all or nothing. Thing yes. Thing. Yeah. It's like, it's it. That's another thing. Uh, that we work on too, of like finding the exception, the exception to the rule. Do they always, Mm -hmm. do they always do that? You know, does this never happen really? You know, so finding and then feeding off of that exception. Well, you know, one time he did, he he was there for me or she was there for me or they were there for me. And um, so maybe they're not so maybe they're not such a terrible person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when your brain's on that, like autopilot, <laughs> just yeah. remember to kind of grab hold. Yes. And, and another thing I was going to suggest is when you're going into, when you're expressing your needs to your partner, you're communicating to your partner or family member or friend, anybody you have a relationship with going into it with in a positive intention or a positive to neutral intention. So if you're mm-hmm. coming, we like to say, when you're, if you're coming in hot, it's not gonna. Yeah. If you're, if, if you're saying in your mind, oh, he's a piece of shit, then you're not gonna talk to him or her or they right or, or nice. If, but if you're saying, you know what? He's a nice guy. You know? like, oh, I love him. I love her. <laughs> love them so much. <laughs> um, I know someone who struggles with the fact of being heard, right? And uh, and it's it's someone I'm related to. Uh, but they they tend to kind of burst out in anger when they feel unheard, and and it's kind of like, well, if they don't hear me talking, I'm going to scream it response. So what would you suggest for people who have almost like a triggered response to not being heard in their needs? 
Mm, that's tough. That's really tough. Um, yeah, screaming at other no. people. One ear and at the other to the other person. Nobody mm -hmm. really hears you. Um, so a big piece of that, it, again, you can't, it's really hard to force somebody to respond to you in the way you want to be responded to. It's really hard to control somebody to do that. But if you, if the person says, you know, I don't feel, I feel, using my statements, I feel really sad because I don't feel heard. And the other person can, like, of course, sitting down, no distractions, really looking at each other in the eyes. And I mean, in a perfect world. Um, right. and, and, and then the other person mirroring them. Uh, and that's what we practice. It's really hard to do that. It's, mm -hmm. it's, I think it's definitely a skill. Yes. There to not be defensive, to be present <laughs> with the person, because when we're, when we're yelling at people, mm -hmm. we are, when we're in that like combat mode, we are just thinking about what we're going to say next. We're not, yes. we're not present. So when we're going to, it's like, it's like kind of like you're throwing uh, cannonballs at a person. Okay. And they said this, and I'm going to say this. And, but we cut that out when we mirror. Okay. What, you, what I heard you say is, you know, you feel saddened when I'm not listening. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That is right. And so it's a, again, it's a two-way streak. So that person that doesn't feel heard, they can work on regulating their own emotions in therapy and, and but it's a two-way streak. So if they can either bring that family member in and do family therapy, that would be um, beautiful. But right. if, if they can't, then you know, working on their own emotional regulation, um, ultimately leading up to sit down of some sort and hopefully the other person can be cooperative and and respectful that's definitely tough yeah and i i totally i'm so happy you said the mirroring because i know that's also a perfect world right where you have someone who's actively listening in that way but that is so validating when someone can say okay i i heard what you said and i and because it's different than saying like okay yes yeah but saying like, okay, so I, I hear that you're feeling this way is day and night. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a, when I, when, when we do this in, in couples therapy, there's a, a shift in the room. You feel the energy change in the room and it's, you know, people, when they feel valid, what people want to do is feel validated, feel, feel heard and validated. And when that happens in the room, tears start coming down the couple's face and it is such a shift. Um, also very important to look at each other. Yeah. yeah. The, the eyes are the windows to the soul. So that's a good point. I've, I've definitely struggled with eye contact and, and through, through many relationships, not just, you know, like family, friends, um, and, but that's a good point to practice because I think it's more like a confrontation issue Yeah. and you're like scared of the response sometimes. Intimidating. Yeah. Um, so that's also what we, what we work on too, of 
looking at each other when you're speaking because you're sometimes it's it's harder to do to speak to look at each other but you see the emotions in the person's face yeah and you and there's such an intimacy there um and and hopefully a stronger connection that develops from creating that intimacy okay so how or what areas in couples lives get affected when they lack healthy and consistent communication so many things <laughs> so many things oh, intimacy parenting daily living uh again extended relative family dynamics so so many things can be impacted that which why it's so important to work on yeah and um known as keyword consistent communication <laughs> like it, it takes the practice and almost daily there's always something daily you can talk about oh yeah oh yeah and you know when you have a conflict it's 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 not it's can be very intimidating but it's such an opportunity for growth to strengthen it mm-hmm. um you know you hear couples say we never fight that's a load of bs you know it's so important to fight though because that brings out the passion and it you know kind of it's messy at first but then hopefully there's some clarity and right. if you can use it as an opportunity to uh, for growth in the way that maybe you discovered something new about the person of what they what they need what they want what they like mm-hmm. um what they don't like um what they don't need uh and then you can it, it's like and then you can work on repair. Uh, it is so important, and, but yes, absolutely. It, poor communication and constant, poor consistent communication can impact so many different realms of people's lives. And it gets easier. Like when you first start working on it, it almost, it can feel almost impossible to calm those emotions down and and get on the level where it's like, okay, let's make this a productive argument, right? Let's make this fight into something we both learn either something about ourselves or the other or both. Yeah. And, but once you practice enough and like, that's basically what you're saying. That's why it's important to be consistent because then once the real thing happens, right, we have the tools and the skills that we need. And now it's like time to apply them. Absolutely. And those that come to couples therapy, I recommend they go to individuals simultaneously. Yes. <laughs> yes. What I, what I like to say to my couple is like, there's th- there three, p- three things I'm looking at right now. You, mm-hmm. you and your relationship, your relationship mm-hmm. with my client, you know, and, but you have your own stuff to figure out too, as, as individual beings. So by all means, if you, you can't regulate your emotions on your own, have some, have a support system, have your own therapist. They're there for you. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And like you have your own and like that, those individual issues are coming into the relationship. Uh And that those, where those triggers come from. I mean, there's, they're saying from, yeah, your childhood, Mm -hmm. anything that's maybe a parent did and you, maybe your partner reflected it and you don't know why every time they, uh, ignore you or don't say, I love you back or anything triggers you into a fit of rage and maybe or you know a trauma that a person kind of have it has experienced sometime in their life or Mm -hmm. something you know and absolutely how can it not impact exactly Mm -hmm. 
So um, we kind of talked about one partner wanting to come in versus the other. So what if only one partner is willing to make the change and how can one tell when it's time to seek couples therapy or break off the relationship or marriage? Yeah. I love those questions. Those are really, those are really great questions. (laughs) Um, It's if one partner is willing to make the change, it's a great start. It's sure, but it's certainly not going to solve the problem in Mm -hmm. its entirety. Um, It's important for both partners to take ownership and Mm -hmm. and strategize problem solve coming together. Um, There's a great show called Modern Modern Love. Uh, I forgot what it's on, but it's um, it it's been I think there's like three or four seasons so far, and one of the earlier seasons there's an episode I'll never forget this episode. Tina Fey was in it and she played uh, a married and she was in a marriage and she, they had her and her husband was like in the empty nester type of stage in their life. And they were just bored with each other. The spark was gone and it's, it's showing their relationship. The whole series is about different types of relationships. And there's a scene that they're playing tennis and I don't know if it, this was a symbolism thing or because I'm a therapist, I'm like, oh, I took it and made it metaphorical. But it showed, it was a symbol of like a relationship and how they were serving, one served and hit it and the other one would hit it back and they would just go back and forth. And they would get angry with each other and hit the ball real hard or lightly. Or, but they knew that the other person, they wanted the other person to serve back to them. Yeah. And then it showed if they dropped the ball, they had a choice whether to continue mm-hmm. or walk away and the game. And it was a, I took it as a beautiful depiction of what a relationship is. It's a serve back and forth. And so if one person is not willing to make a change or not being cooperative or just like something's going on with them or they're building resentment or whatever, it's not gonna be a nice flow. It's it's not gonna be a comfortable situation. And but so you need both partners to continue that that game of uh, well not, not not a game, it's a dynamic, the dynamic of the relationship. It takes two. It's like um, trying to play tennis with one, a tennis racket and the other, like a ping pong paddle. (laughs) Yes. And trying to effectively communicate and for the game to be effective. Right. Yeah. And sure. You could, you could hit a tennis ball against a wall by yourself, but it's not that, uh, not that fun. And it's, (laughs) Honestly, when you brought that up, I thought of it also as the argument aspect, right? Like, or the communicating aspect and something I thought about earlier that I don't want to forget to bring up is how important it is to remain on one subject at a time. I know so many people who are like, well, then when you did this a while and you just bring up a whole new conversation, a whole new argument. And like, that's like whacking like three tennis balls at the same time and trying to go back and forth. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And one little strategy we do is I suggest my couples to, and I certainly didn't make this up. I got this from somewhere, but um, 
get a little like, cup or a mason jar, put it on a ledge somewhere, bedroom, fireplace, whatever. You put different topics in it. Sometimes we make it in session, um, but you stick to that one topic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it helps help some people. It's so easy to to do that, but then but then the argument goes nowhere. The communication goes nowhere because yes. How can you hit that many topics at once? You know, when um when I find myself in that situation, I'll say, okay, you know, if that's something that is bothering you, I'd love to talk about that, but let's talk about let's finish this first and remain on track. Yes, and if you can't uh, resolve it right then and there. That's called a gridlock. Mm-hmm. And that it happens all the time. And it's important to recognize, okay, this is not going anywhere. We're beating a dead horse here. Stop. Just got yeah. to like, you know, walk away or say, you know what? I, I don't, I don't know what to do right now. And I'm, I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't know what to do. So let's go, you know, go make some dinner. And kind of just maybe sit on it, sleep on it. Maybe some people are in gridlocks for months. And some topics are really hard to just figure out overnight. Yeah. And to give up that, uh, again, again, that controlling aspect of it. Because sometimes it's really hard to let go. And and they're so opposite of each other. Yes, absolutely. And so that's, you know, we... We work through that in, in couples, absolutely. And uh, so many people are stuck in gridlocks uh, for good reason. A uh, topic, you know, financial decisions, that's a huge one. Um, you know, if somebody's not budging you know, of, of something, you know, an issue, um, but you, you sort it out some way or another. But some people, some people, you know, can't and they, they walk away. Um, but some people really do. And that it takes a lot of energy, um, but the, but it's worth it. Yeah. I love that you said that the energy thing, because it's just like creating boundaries, healthy boundaries. And that's exhausting. And that's where that uncomfortability comes from. But in the end, it's so worth it. Just, yeah. Yeah. And, and just sitting, you know, there's something beautiful when you're with somebody about sitting in discomfort with each other, you know, and like just saying this sucks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, you can be that honest. Like yeah. it's okay. Yeah, and just sitting in it with each other and, and be and be like, yeah, this does suck. And just yeah. be, you can agree on that. <laughs> yeah. And and then it kind of lightens that that load a little. Cause yeah. you're like, okay, we both agree that this does isn't fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we kind of touched on it, but how can changing your own mindset positively affect one's relationship? Um yeah, this can, if you, if you work on affecting your own mindset in a positive way, it can be a ripple effect in the relationship and, and that would be wonderful. Um, but it can also lower your own reactivity and increase emotional regulation. And again, discussing like, there's like the cycle, you know, that we all tend to be in, um, in relationships. And when you respond differently, it forces the cycle to organically change because the person is going to respond differently to you. They most likely are going to respond differently to you if you respond differently to them. Um, But taking care of yourself as a priority though, you know, working on your own stuff will benefit your relationship um, because 
that saying you can't pour from an empty cup? Yeah. Literally just about to say this yeah. dives into self-care because if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of the relationship. There's just no, there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have love for yourself, how the heck are you going to give it to somebody else effectively? Yeah. Type of thing. And so. Or, or get it from someone else because then yeah. you're like, like, I don't deserve this love. I don't even deserve my own love, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's so important to work on your own stuff. Um, and then that will just pour into the relationship. And just that cycle um, is forced to change, definitely. Well, I I think this was such a great topic. And I thank you so, so much for coming to talk with me today. I'm very excited for this episode. Um, can you please tell the listeners where they can find you and follow you? Sure. So um, on Instagram, um, Mareki underscore MFT. Um, that is my Instagram um, page, and I, I work in a, a private practice in East Brunswick, New Jersey, and Edison, New Jersey, and we just opened up a new office in Princeton, New Jersey. Um, I work at a private practice called the Center for Therapy and Counseling Services, and they are a wonderful place to work, and so that's where I'm at. All right. Uh, those will be in the episode notes. Make sure to go follow her. This is uh, great advice for people who really just know, want to know where even just the next steps in a relationship to take. Um, but yeah, thank you again. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye. Today's music was written and produced by Tyler O'Brien. You can find him on Instagram at dreamscape, D-R-E-A-M-S-C-A-P-E and follow his band, at wastelander underscore band on Instagram.